Oh, the big news, the big news this year's DeSoto, DeSoto with Power Flight Shift. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Talking About Cars. I'm Randy Cardoon. Everybody has a car story. Frankie Muniz is best known for his role on Fox TV's Malcolm in the Middle, but was such a car guy, he drove in his first Toyota Celebrity race in 2004 as a celebrity, but actually drove on other tracks professionally in 2006, later ending his racing career after an accident and some health issues. However, just recently, he got behind the wheel at Irwindale Speedway for yet another celebrity race. Muniz says his first car was actually one of the vehicles from the first Fast and Furious movie, the VW Jetta, which he acquired with the help of comedian and fellow car guy Christopher Titus. Then there's the story of the rather unexpected car that he drove around for a while as a daily driver. I had at the time, I had a, a bunch of cars I loved, but just cars like I, I, I just didn't want to hurt. You know what I mean? I, I, did, I, I knew around my house, really anywhere in Los Angeles, I knew where every manhole cover was and I would avoid every single one. But I could do it in a smooth way to where it wasn't annoying for like my passengers. But like I just, you know, I just hated bumps. I hated when anything started rattling, you know, and I didn't want, you know, scratch it. I, if I got a scratch or a nick or a dinghy from a car door, like I just, I hated it. So I was like, I need a car that I could just drive and not really care about. And you know, what is the only car in the world that I wouldn't really care about? And I thought it's a Pontiac Vibe. So I bought the Vibe, but I, to be honest, I ended up really liking the, I love it. I got the GT, so it, had a, it was a stick and you know, it was fun to drive, but I still ended up babying it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like the worst in that sense. So your first car was the uh, car from Fast and Furious, the VW Jet. Do you still have that? I do, I do. I, to be honest, I sold it at Barrett Jackson this year and about seven minutes after I sold it realized that it was probably the worst decision of my life considering it was my first car and I'm like I didn't need to sell like I was like I just sold it because I was I don't know you know I could have yeah <laughs> and I went up to the guy actually I have, a, I have a pretty cool story about that so I did an episode of Spin City 20 years ago with uh, Jeff Gordon and you know and he was on the episode and he comes in the room. So I've, I've become friends with him since then. I've always seen him at events and he always comes up and seen him at races and super, you know, great guy. And, and he came up to me and he goes, oh, I heard you sold your car, how'd it go? And I go, it was all right. I just, you know, I don't know why, I don't know why I sold it. He goes, who bought it? And I point to the guy who bought it and he goes, oh, Sh Shaloupi or whatever his name was. He goes, he's nice, ask for it back. I go, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to ask for it back. You know, it's, I'm just, you know, having that like seller's remorse. So he calls over Rick Hendrick. He goes, Mr. H. And he goes, Mr. H. He goes, Frankie wants his car back. Tell Shaloupi to give him his car back. And Rick Hendrick goes, he goes, you want it back? I go, yeah. And he goes up to Shaloupi and he comes back. He goes, here's the paper. You can have it. So like, I had to pay the commission, sure. but I, got, I kept the car. So like, I spent more money on a car I already owned and it's back sitting in my garage. So you had to buy it back. Well, I had, a, I mean, I had a, I mean, I, there was, I didn't have to like give them the money that it sold for. I just had to give them the, whatever, the 19% commission that they would have made if it sold. You know what I mean? So. So you have the Jetta. Yeah. What else is in your garage right now? Oh, now I'm, I'm, I'm the worst. Since I started racing, when I started racing in 2006, 2007, and I kind of got more and more over the streetcar thing, you know, because there was nothing necessarily fast enough, like to, and then, but also like I drive on the streets. I. Like I said, I baby my cars and there's nothing that I can do on the streets that compares to like driving an Atlanta car, Indy car, you know what I mean? So I kind of got over like the fast car thing. Then I went more for the comfortable, the comfortable car thing. 
and uh, I had like a I had an E63 which I really liked because it was fast and comfortable and could fit passengers. But to be honest, I've kind of sold everything. <laughs> I have a 65 Shelby Daytona that just sits in a showroom. Um, I have a 2008 Dodge Ram, which I love. That's my everyday car. I won, <laughs> got a hole in one, and won a Kia K900. They're like the LeBron James yeah. car. No joke. You met your car guy. Yeah. The nicest car I've ever owned. Really? I I mean, I thought I didn't think LeBron was lying, but no, no. Like the way it drives, comfort, the I mean, the amenities of the car. Like it is. It's like my, I'll never not. I, mean, I don't know how long they're gonna make them because I don't know how many they're selling. I will never not have one of those cars. It's that. And, uh, and also, there's something about the fact that like when I drive up, people go, "What is that?" You know, because it's not like, oh, I have a 7 Series or an S-Class. You know, you see a billion of them, nobody really cares. And never mind, if you were to buy it, it's half the price, maybe a quarter of the price. You know what I mean? It's a $60,000, $70,000 car. And I love it. I really do. I love that car. Um, I have a smart car that I just got because I've been living in Phoenix, but I've, I've been out here the last couple of months working, and I was riding, I have a bunch of motorcycles, so I was riding a bike, but I'm, like, showing up to meetings with, like, helmet hair, you know, and I'm like, so I um, hate it when that happens. But, but you know, but yeah, like so I was like, I need something, but parking is always a disaster. Like I had my truck out here, and I can't fit in any of the parking structures because it's too tall. There's no spot that's wide enough. So I was like, I'm just getting a smart car. It's my second smart car. Do you still have the first one? No, but the first one I got, like it was the first one they sold in the state of California. I got it kind of as a joke, but then I ended up really, really enjoying driving it. I put like eighty thousand miles on this little smart car. Um, You're not afraid of it tipping over or anything like that? <laughs> I drive motorcycles, so oh, to me it's, it feels really roomy. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, okay. But uh, I just got the new one. They, you know, they came up with the new, the new body, and I love it. But see, I'm, I'm, like I said, like, I used to have like, all the, I used to be known as like, a car guy, like, having like, really cool cars. And, like, now I have like, the most boring cars, but like, I, love, I love them more than any car I've ever loved. So it's kind of weird. So what's on the big list that... Uh, Frankie Muniz wants for some time to get. I mean, what's on your number one list of I want that? There's not much on my list, but I've always been into the Pagani Zondas. And my buddy, <laughs> my old racing manager, started an app and it's going very, very, very well for him. And he's about to sell it and he goes, my gift to you, I'm buying us matching Pagani Zondas. And I go, well, I'll see it when I, you know, believe it. but. How cool would that be? <laughs> it must be going pretty well. I mean, what did one of those run? They're like, I mean, it depends on which one you get, but like $1.5 to $2 million. <laughs> and he's going to get you one. Well, hey, I'll believe it when I see it. Ladies and gentlemen, forget the guy from the beer commercial. Here is the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, but I won't drive it because <laughs> it's too bumpy. Well, you, were you talked about your Shelby. Okay, you got that 65 Shelby sitting there. I'm assuming you're not driving that either. I've driven it. Um, and not much. I mean, I think since I bought it, maybe I put like 500 miles on it. But where do you drive it? Do you take it to Bob's Big Boy? Where do you go? I, I live in Phoenix. Oh, so. Okay, the Bob's Big Boy in Phoenix. We have really smooth, nice driving roads there. You know what I mean? Um, and not as much traffic, so I don't have to worry as much. I would never park it anywhere. Like it doesn't have windows. You know what I mean? Like it's you know not something I would leave anywhere. But I've driven it. It's like my birthday. I was gonna sell it because it's one of those. I'm just in this phase of my life where I'm like. I'm not a car collector. You know what I mean? There's people who like buy cars to just have them and put them in a garage and keep them for however long. 
that's not me. Like I buy stuff because I, I really want to use it, you know, and, and now especially like I buy things that I will use, you know. So it's it's been in the Barrett Jackson showroom at like their showroom in Scottsdale for like three or four years. Oh, so you keep it with them. Yeah, I mean they, they have it there on display as like a one of their they asked if they could keep it and they bring it to like some shows every once in a while and but it you know, they take care so great. I don't have to think about it. But then I'm like going you know, I still am paying like a ton of money for insurance. You know what I mean? I don't enjoy it because I don't even see it. It's not even like it's in the garage and I walk by it, right? So I asked, I told him, I said, hey, I'm gonna come pick up the car, I'm gonna drive it for my birthday. And I went on maybe like a 300 mile, 250 mile drive up through the mountains and, and had fun with it. And then went, I'm not gonna sell it, but I'm never gonna drive it again. Like I got, you know what I mean? Like I, like, it's one of those that I shouldn't drive, but I'll probably sell in a year or two, but just not, I have to, I don't know. <laughs> I'm weird. You mentioned again, I go back to the, uh, the Jetta. Yeah. Are there any other celebrity movie cars, I guess you can call it, that kind of you looked at and went, wow, that'd be cool to have? Not really. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not into, like I said, I'm not a car collector. So like I go to Barrett Jackson every year and they, ever, they always have like some of the movie cars and cool old ones, the Smokey and the Bandit cars sold this year for 800 grand or I don't know, something stupid. 500, but yeah. yeah something stupid. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, and you, I, but like, I'm not into like the car because it's in the movies. I just like that, the Fast and the Furious was like my life. You know what I mean? Um, okay, so which one of those cars would you want if you had an opportunity? The only other one that I really want or want wanted was the Supra, the orange Supra um, from the first movie. Um, I think the movies, the cars from the first movie, because obviously nobody knew, you know, if the, the, now they've what made seven, I think they're making an eighth, you know, like it's become such a huge franchise. But like, you know, th that was like this, the, the first time like there was a, a car movie for like that kind of car culture. Like for the more, you know, younger aftermarkety, you know, kind of hip, uh, you know, body kits and lowered and the gangs, you know, the car gangs and stuff like that. So like, I think that was a lot of people like meant a lot to a lot of people my age. You know what I mean? But now like, the movies, the they don't really feature the cars like they did in the first movie. Now they're just there's some cool cars, but they usually get blown up really fast, and then they're in some other ones. And you don't get an emotional attachment yet. You're not able to get that uh, character attachment, if you will, to the car. To the new ones? No, not necessarily. I mean, like I think maybe it was the fourth or the fifth one that came out. There was like a Paul Walker was driving like a Subaru WRX. And it looked pretty cool, like the way they had it, but it was pretty basic. Like it didn't have like crazy stickers on it, you know, like the, all the first cars did. But I was like, oh, that'd be a cool car to have just to cruise around town, you know. You're racing full time now. Is it as much fun as you thought it was going to be and just the experience compared to, you know, your, your uh, acting experience? Well, to be honest, I, 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 have, I haven't been racing full time since 2010. I got pretty badly hurt uh, in 2010. How are you doing, by the way? Great. I just, you know, not racing, you know. but no, I, I loved it. You know, one thing about racing cars, when you're doing it kind of for a living or at that level that I had been fortunate enough to get to, is it, it's not fun. I mean, it's fun, but it's not like you're going out and cruising, wow, like driving, wow, oh my God, oh, you know, you're there to win. And the team is spending a lot of money, sponsors are spending a lot of money. You know, you're racing against people who have been driving since they were five years old and go-karts and worked their way up. It's their lives. You know what I mean? That's all that they know. And, you know, if they're going to make money in their lives, that's the way they got to do it. Right. So it becomes where 
you're just so focused on going faster, like so focused on, you know, working with the engineers and car setup and that you forget, or for me, I would forget to enjoy it during the weekend. You know, like during the event, it was just stressful. You know what I mean? Then there, after the race, the race is over and you finally, you debrief, you'd think back of moments of like cool things that maybe happened or times when you almost died, you know, where you're like, whoa, that was pretty badass. So, you know, a pass you made or something where you can think of like the cool things that happened in the race or didn't happen in the race and you reflect on them then. But it's a job, you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're going SCCA club racing, it's a, it, it's a, I, I bet a different kind of vibe because obviously you want to win, you want to be fast, but you're doing it because you want to do it and it's fun. And then you're going to go back and go home and maybe do the next race or maybe not or whatever. So at that level, it's, it's, serious business so I'm good in that environment me like I like like putting my head down like I wasn't there to have a party but I I wish like looking back at it now I wish I even put in more effort when I was doing it you know what I mean like I feel like I could have even been better if I put in a little bit more time um, I was living in Phoenix the team was based in you know whatever indie or whatever teams I was on one team was based in Montreal or, and like I should have spent more time with the team in the off races, but I, I was had a new girlfriend and wanted to get home. You know what I mean? Like, so I could have been better in that sense. But that's how much of a job it is. Like, you really need to dedicate your whole life to it to be successful. Absolutely. So you've been in the movie business long enough. This is an opportunity. I'm gonna give you your last shot to produce a movie that has something to do with cars, whether it be a race movie. Any idea what you do? Oh man. Um. Well, I'm really, I'm huge into open wheel racing. Other than Driven, which has been done, isn't the best movie. You know what I mean? You didn't like it. Hey, I, I loved it, but people, you know, don't think of it as being a great movie. You know, uh, I loved it just because I had to do it. You know, cart, champ car, or whatever, Indy car. You know, um, but I don't know. Like, I think a really like a cool Formula One, you know, or Indy car movie that really kind of helped glamorize the sport again you know what I mean I mean even Days of Thunder is awesome like but just some current I don't know I don't know I'm not good at this I'm actually produ I'm producing right now a motorcycle movie <laughs> um, that kind of like a new version of Easy Rider it has nothing to do with Easy Rider but like if you, in that it, that style of a movie so. those kind of bikes uh, one of them I I'll be on like a, a race bike but that's kind of the you know when, when would this? When would we be able to see this? Uh, we're we're just kind of in the early stages now. We should be filming later this year, so you know maybe a, a year or so, but should be good. Actor, driver, and producer Frankie Muniz, who by the way won that celebrity race in Irwindale from beginning to end. Now Frankie will be returning here in just a couple of moments to share some insights on the driving of rookie Blake Michael, an actor that many of you remember from his TV show Dog with a Blog on the Disney Channel. Now he too was driving a race car that day at Irwindale, and I asked him how old he was when he began to notice cool cars. When I was about 12 years old, uh, I actually have a picture I was in the mall, and I said, holy, what is that? There was this gorgeous car sitting in the mall. It was a Lamborghini Gallardo, 2004. And I said, wow, that looks incredible. So I stood next to it. I took a picture of it. And that was that was when I caught the bug, per se, I guess you could say. I like the mall you go in. Where, what kind of mall did you go in? Where was this place? Oh, this was in Atlanta. Uh, uh, 
one of the, like perimeter one of the nicer malls but uh yeah i saw that car and i was like wow that is something special and that was when i started to learn a little bit about the whole exotic car uh area uh, but yeah ever since then I've, I've been learning more and more about cars in the past three or four years i've learned so much about cars um and met a lot of other car enthusiasts like me what were the folks driving when you were growing up oh gosh um I remember, I mean, I'm only 19, but I mean, I remember seeing a three si Ferrari 360 Modena driving on the street, and I thought that was so cool. You know what I thought was always cool? The, the Porsche Boxster. You know, now you can get them for pretty, pretty great prices now, and they just pack a lot of power for, for the price. Um, I loved trucks as a kid, too. Uh, I don't know much about trucks, but whenever I'd see like a big old truck, I'd be like, yeah, that's awesome, you know? What was your first car? My first, my first car, uh, lucky enough, I, I got a Mercedes C-Class, C250. I was looking at the Scion FRS, which definitely would have been a lot more fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, the C, C250, and it's a little coupe. It gets me around. Used, or did you just happen to see it, or you were, you're work, you were working a bunch then, sure. so you had some disposable income? Yeah, so the kids will probably know me from my show Dog with a Blog. It's on Disney Channel. So, um, and I've been acting since I was four years old, so I was lucky enough to, to get that. So about a year after I got the Mercedes, I'm like, you know what, I need to step it up and get something like really fun. So I ended up with an Audi R8. It's a V10 Spider. Um, and I love that thing so much. It's all white, it's got HRE rims, and I threw an exhaust on it. I did a TCU tune, an ECU tune, so I amped it up to 600 horsepower, and that thing is quick. Is that what's in your garage right now? Yeah, so I've got the Mercedes, I have the R8, and then I have a Porsche Panamera Turbo, which is a lot of fun too. All right, so you're young, you got a lot of time to be able to answer this next question. Of all the cars out there, what's number one on the Blake Michael list of I want that car someday? Ooh, I mean, so many. <laughs> there, there's a lot. I, you know, when I got the R8, I, I, I was consider I was choosing between the Gallardo and the R8 and the Gallardo because, like I said, it was that car when I was 12 years old. I saw it, so I wanted to get the exact same spec and take a picture side by side. Um, the car now, I'd say, would probably be a 918 Spider, which is a Porsche. It's it's uh, a, a tad out of the price range. I think they're like a million or two, but. Uh, yeah. I like the way your voice went up just a little bit. Just a little bit, but you know what? One day we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, that's a really cool car. I like the, the Porsche GT4 and GT3 RS. Uh, a lot of good cars coming out of Germany. You talked about the last three to six years you've had an opportunity to learn all sorts of things about cars. How did you get involved in the whole racing thing and what are your thoughts on it as you're going into this one today? So surprisingly enough, this is actually my first race. Um, and I'm so excited to be here. So these are, this is all you know. This is a whole new experience for me. I'm learning so much about the car and handling and suspension and and learning how to take the lines. That's that's the big one for me. Uh, but Tim over here at High Point Racing has been the best, and uh, he's uh, he's taught me a lot. I've, Have any of the drivers helped you out at all as far as giving you tips? I know Frankie's been around, and I mean he's driven a lot. Too. Yeah, Frankie and I were speaking for a second. I think um, out of everybody, Swampy's kind of been like my right hand guy. He. Uh, Right, right hand man. He he has taught me so much. He he's been racing for a few years now, I believe, and he's always here at the track every week, getting better times. So he's given me a lot of great advice. Okay, I gotta tell you, I talked to Frankie earlier. 
And Frankie kind of explained what happened Thursday, but he didn't go into a lot of incredible d detail. Sure, You're the guy that it happened to, so I hear through the grapevine. Of course, I'm not going to dispute and tell you who my uh, sources are. Are we not supposed to say? I mean, like, <laughs> am I going to be am I going to be the the mole or whatever who's giving out the information, the bad I, information? I don't know. I, I say spill. Go ahead. I'm rolling just to let you know. Go ahead. I will say this: I happened to be on track during the incident. There was only two cars on track. It wasn't me, um, but it was. Uh, it was uh, it was Blake. So ah. I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll say it. it was Blake. Okay. It was Blake. Now, don't you feel much better for just kind of letting it all out? Yeah, I don't mind being like the uh, you know the the hated one on the track. You know, I want people <laughs> to fear me. So you give me your version of what happened. Uh, it was uh, so Thursday night at practice. We were I was going in for my second run. I had done 20 laps in car number four, and. Uh, I was finally getting the line right. That was it. Get, get the line down. Get the line down. I was finally, you know, touching my left tire with the line, going down, meeting my right tire with the line, and then going up to the wall. I was getting it down, and I was getting the best lap times ever. I think I was doing like 21.4, which was the best for me. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just kind of like overtook a turn, and I started spinning, and... I don't know. It was fast. Did they ever tell you what happened to Nathan Kress on this track two years ago? No. I don't know. What happened? Nathan Kress, two years ago, was driving down in the middle of the race, and his drive shaft fell out. We all know what happened in Irwindale. <laughs> Granted, that was not my fault. Now, so. just for those who did not know, you were doing pretty well, and all of a sudden, a certain car part fell off your car. A pretty important one. The uh, the whole drive shaft thing. thing of a bomb. Yeah, yeah that, I, don't know, I don't know. It's a big, yeah. big white thing under the car. Uh, I'm curious, just let's go back to that. You're driving along, take us back to Irwindale, you're driving, how did you know something was amiss? <laughs> well, I think the massive explosion was probably the first indicator. I actually, it was interesting, I was I was coming out of the final turn into into the front straight, and I just heard a big kaboom, and I felt my, my whole car raise just a little bit. And so, to me, I thought that what it, what it sounded like and felt like was that both of my rear tires blew. And I was like, I have no idea how that could possibly happen. It's a 10-lap race. It's not like they were, you know, too hot or I didn't run over anything. So I didn't know what was going on. But then when I didn't hear, you know, the of, like, the rims on the ground, I knew that, that couldn't be it. And then all of a sudden the smoke happened. And that's when I was I was thinking, okay, this is definitely not a tire issue. Big indication that there might be something amiss. Yeah, there was, there was that. And then there was this whole thing where the panel that covers the shifter was exploded up and was banging into my arm. And the interesting thing about those seats is that when your arms get locked into place and you're strapped in, you can't move them. So I just have this panel going bah, 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 on my arm just saying, hey, something's wrong, something's wrong. <laughs> and I hear my spotter over the radio saying, okay, you're smoking. Let's go ahead and pull off to the right, slow down, let everyone pass you, and come on into the infield. <laughs> and so at that point when he said, you know, you're smoking, I thought I was on fire. And then I remember the whole thing where they forgot to do the fire drill with us because we didn't we ran out of time during practice. So I was trying to remember like, okay, once I pull off, I'm gonna be on fire. How do I get the net down? How do I get my belts off? How do I get out without looking like a moron? And you know, doing it with the Hans device and everything and unclipping myself. And so I was trying to remember all that stuff. But by the time I slowed down and got into the infield, I was able to sort of, well, not really look around because your head's locked into place. But I didn't see fire or anything. I wasn't getting ready to pull the, the fire system, the halon gas system. Um, and fire safety was, like, already there by the time I got there. Um, and one of the guys came up, and he just looked inside the cabin, and he said, yep, that was your drive shaft. 
And then I looked around and saw, you know, the pace car come out and there was just fluid everywhere all over the course. And I was, what's funny is I was mad, but I was so relieved because there's an amazing thing about having mechanical failure on a track. You get so many benefits because you don't have the pressure of finishing uh-huh. and, you know, messing something up right at the end. You have the benefit of the doubt to say, I could have done better, but my car wasn't up to snuff slash exploded. Right. Or you can just say, you know, look, it wasn't meant to be. My car just was not was not there with me that day, and I had a great race, and it wasn't my fault. I didn't wreck the car, so the money still went to the charity. So it was it was a win win for me, and my mom was really happy about it. So oh, so obviously the fact that you were okay, yes, and the fact that your uh, reputation was non sullied by that whole incident it wasn't exactly. your fault. The drive shaft came out exactly. That was the first question I asked when I got out of the car. I was like, this wasn't my fault, right? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. There was I talked to guys. After that, I, I had a friend who had been watching races there for years, and he said, I have never in my life seen that happen. And I've been here almost every race for the last 15, 20 years. So the fact that that happened just made me think, like, you know, why, why not? Why wouldn't it happen to me? You know, the, the one massive thing that is never supposed to happen happened that took me out of the race, made me able to avoid Mark Paul Gosler and Eric Valdez going at each other. I was able to, you know, get in front of a couple people, and then I could have said that I could have passed more people, and then I ended up winning the fan favorite award. So I, I saw on YouTube, I saw a video, I think it might have been that, because there was some chassis that was just yeah. like, link. that was the one, right? No matter what happens to you today, chances are it won't be as interesting as that. No, no, let, let's let's hope not. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to, uh, hopefully we get another practice in before we go, but um, no, I'm... I'm looking forward. To, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, not crashing this time, but uh, it should be a good race. Actor Blake Michael, who oddly enough was doing pretty well in his first race until he hit the wall rather prematurely, ending his run behind the wheel. He and actress Kelly Hu, in fact, were the only drivers in that race to hit the wall. When who hit the wall? Well, the race pretty much came to an end. By the way, that clip of Nathan Kress you heard talking about his drive shaft dropping out, well, that came from our Talking About Cars edition number 22 from early last year. Now, don't forget, if you're listening on iTunes, number one, subscribe. Do us a favor. It's free, and you'll automatically get notified when a new show uploads. Then rate us and write a review. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, like us and follow us and tell all your car pals and fellow club members about the great guests and cool stories we have on all of our Talking About Cars podcasts. Also, check out our videos with our partners at Generation Auto right there on YouTube. Until next week, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.